Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Out in the cold, out in the dark, something's lurking at the edge of the park. People be warned, people beware, there's a storm on the rise and it's covered in hair. Hear him cry, hear him howl, looking for someone to disembowel. Claws like a hook, eyes like coal, feet so big they're gonna crush your soul. They call him Sasquatch. Womanjika, and welcome in our local Jara language. Welcome to Yowie Central. You're on 94.9 Main FM and you're with Sarah Bignall. This is the community radio show where we bring you the latest on Yowie research in Australia and we delve into the vast and fascinating realm of Bigfoot, Sasquatch and cryptozoology from here and around the world. Today, we're starting with a catch-up with wildlife photographer and Yowie tracker, Bredo. Now, Bredo is a regular guest of Yowie Central, and he's had his own Yowie sightings and encounters. It's been raining heavily of late in his home turf of Jarvis Bay, Yowie weather, as he calls it, so he's been out Yowie tracking. Just last week, he took a really clear photo of what appears to be a small footprint and what he reckons is a Junjadee track, one of the little fellas out in the area where he researches. I'll post the photo of the track on the Yowie Central Facebook group for you to have a look at. Here's my chat with Bredo. Check it out. Hey, Bredo, welcome back to Yowie Central. G'day, Sarah. Thanks for having me. Good to hear your voice. Now, you've been up to lots of adventures of late because it's been yowie weather. Do you want to tell us what you've been doing? (laughs) It has been yowie weather. Actually, it's the first non-yowie weather day in ages. Um, 
Yeah, it's been it's been um, it's good because we we're we're getting plenty of rain. I think it might be a, a dry summer, but um, we're getting plenty of rain at the moment, so everything's soggy. And in the breaks between the rain, I've been heading out um, a lot. Uh, there's been so much um, crypto esque. If that's a word. Yeah, it is now. Um, yeah, it is crypto, now. <laughs> crypto esque activity. There's been heaps. It's uh, it's. I, I swear I'm the only person that's noticing it. I can't bring up the subject with anyone um, from my club or around. Or you know, I don't have any mates down here that are, that are into. You know, that are even ent- entertain the idea of this kind of stuff. They just wouldn't do it. So so um, I head out on my own. It's great because I get to notice so much stuff. You know. Um, and there's so much after the fires. This place is just a, a green island, uh, you know, surrounded by black. And the wildlife is just—it's ramped up. There's so much going on, nature-wise and wildlife-wise here. It's it's brilliant. I'm I'm absolutely loving it. So I'm so I'm, I'm picking up on a lot of weird stuff as well. So that's great. You know, um, so what kind of stuff? Really cool. Well, there's. For, I'll start at the really like the sort of bottom end of stuff. There's only one road that comes into town. And, uh, you know, one road in, one road out. It's a two-lane road. And that's Jarvis, and, um, Jarvis Bay, right? Yes, I'm, I'm in the Jarvis Bay area, yeah. yeah. This one road is bordered on both sides by just miles of bush, you know. Also, also you know, it's swampy and it's and there's a, quite a few different um, types of you know, landscape uh, out there. It's it's very really varied. And coming along the road the other day, I noticed a, a tree had been pushed across the road blocking sort of almost blocking one lane it was a, a casserina not a real big one you know but big enough and it was laying across the lane and then as I slowed down to kind of go around it into the into the oncoming lane to go around it I, I, you could see where this something big had come out of the the reeds from the swamp it leaves you can't walk through there without making a trail through these reeds it's really dry and you know, or not dry, but they're easily broken sort of reeds. And you could see this big track come through the through Black Swamp and push this tree over as it's crossed the road. So I looked across the other side of the road and you could see where something had pushed a tree down going that way as well. So I just thought that was a really, really cool kind of sign. You know, it was like it wasn't as if it was a kangaroo that pushed it over. And no one goes in there. You know, not in your right mind anyway. I've never been in there. It's just too too snaky, you know, and like the reeds come sort of up chest height, you know. Mm, yeah, yeah, yeah. So there was a, <laughs> there's something really big had come out of the bush and just knocked this tree over as it as it came across the road, knocked another tree over and just kept going. Right. It was a really, really clear path, really, really clear, obvious path. Um, and since then, I've noticed. I think it must must be the same critter because the, it's just knocking down trees as it crosses the road wherever it goes. So. A few hundred yards up the road now, there's another thing exactly the same. Tree pushed down as it's come out of the bush, pushed down again, and then it comes back, doesn't use the same track, it comes back and pushed down another tree. As it, they're all sort of laying that way. Right. You know, it's not like yeah. they're just, they're not just randomly falling. These are pushed as as the trail, you know, you can follow the, the gang trail that this thing leaves. It's just blundering along. The reason I think that's also cool is because no one's really picking up on it except me. You know, like people don't see a, a tree falling over, and they just assume that you know trees fall over all the time. But but the the pathways that are related to these trees pushed over are, are really obvious. No one notices it. Yeah. So I, I pick up on it, and I've taken heaps of photos of it. Anyway, I could I could send you some of those. Then there was then going up a little bit from that. There's the 
remember I mentioned to you something about the, the intelligence of these things? Yeah. This is this is awesome. And it's taken me – I really had to think about it because I didn't want to just jump to conclusions like, you know, like so many people do. It's easy to jump at shadows and stuff, you know. And it's, you've got to face this stuff with a really pragmatic frame of mind. Otherwise, you start off going down to the fairy trail and that, you know. So – I don't, I don't want to do that, you know. <laughs> That's you really, fair enough. You, really you, you can leave me to going down the fairy trail, all right? <laughs> no, 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 no. You're, no, you're pragmatic. You're a pragmatic. You're, you're a country person. They're, you know, very pragmatic. Anyway, <laughs> so there's this, there's a town up um, which has the big woolies and stuff in it in this area. It's called Kalbara. It's on the, it's, it's a coastal town, like Kalala, like where I am. On the way there, there's only, it's the same, there's only one road in and out of Kalbara. On the right, as you're going going into town, there's a property. It's a it's a really big property, and it's on Lake Combin, uh sorry, Lake Camberwara. And it's I don't know if anyone lives there, but I've looked at it on Google Earth and stuff like that. It's quite a big property, and backs onto the right at the back of the lake, which is sort of a, a, a silted up tidal lake, and it gets lots of runoff, little creeks everywhere, and that. Anyway, um, there's a definite gate. And, you know, it says don't enter and there's a driveway. But a little bit up from that, there's an old clear cut. And I don't know what it – you know a clear cut, when I, when I say that, it's like, a, it's like a big laneway through the bush with just grass. You know, as if, yep. as if it was a road once and it's overgrown. Yep. Or maybe it was – they were going to put power lines down there or something like that. Um, but it's this big laneway. It's probably about, I don't know, maybe 10 metres wide. And it's all grass. It's all just really nice grass. And when you when I slow down to look up there as I'm going to or, to or back from Kalbara, you often see kangaroos in there because it's just a really nice grassy spot for them to graze and then hop straight back into the bush. I was going past this this clear cut um, about a month ago, and now I have seen something unexplained up there once too. That's what I meant to say. I, I think I might have caught a glimpse of a yowie up there once, a black guy sitting right on the edge of the bush and the clear cut. But when I turned around and went back, it wasn't there. So it was something. Yeah. And it wasn't a kangaroo, but I can't, you know, I can't really tick that off. It could have been, I don't know. Um, but it wasn't enough to write home about, you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Um, or, or tell Dean about or anything like that. So I didn't. So I went past the other day and there's a, a tree had come down, a big bushy sort of top part of a tree, if you will, really bushy branch had come down and landed right on the side of, of the clear cut um, and the leaves had started dying. So you could tell it had come off and and, was, and it was where I thought I saw this thing that time. So I looked at that and went, oh, that's that's cool. That's Maybe that's what I saw. Maybe it was the dead branch that I saw. So I kept going. A few days later, I was going past again. On the other side of the clear cut now, but exactly opposite to this big broken branch, is another one. And, and I look at this all the time, so I know when, when it changes, yes, because yeah. where I'm looking is probably only a couple of hundred yards from the road, and I glance up the, up the clear cut as I'm going past. Now there's another bush directly opposite that one. So a great big branch, broken branch, right, is, is laying on the side of the clear cut. And I went, okay, that's interesting as well. So I started thinking of maybe something's put it there it's a, to create a blind, right? like a hunting blind. Well, I went past again a few days later and it, it's grown again. There's another bush, another big leafy branch, if you will, not a bush, a big leafy branch, big one, is now there's only a gap in the middle of about 
six to ten foot wide in the middle of this growing blind. I went past there on Friday and it's blocked now. Yeah, right. It's finished. Whatever is built that thing, it's finished building it. Right. And, and I, there's no it, way it couldn't fall it could have any it could have fallen there naturally. No, no, no. no. Just, no it could I mean there's <laughs> it would have used, there'd be other ones. Not just this is just one in the this one wall, if you will, it's probably about six foot high of broken branches, not cut, because I've sneaked in there and had a look. Yeah. They're they're all they're snapped off. Some of them are a foot wide, yeah. like small tree size. They've been broken and dragged from different parts of the, the forest and woven together to make a wall. I, I, it's so freaky. It's it's so clever that what it's done, it, it's done a number of things. It's created a blind for for hunting purposes. That's what I think. Somewhere to hide in and then jump out onto it. Because, yeah, you always don't just run things down. They're also, a, a you know, a... Uh, well, ambush ambush predator, predators. Yeah. Ambush predator, that's what yeah. I was looking for. So it's done that. It's created a hunting blind. It's also stopped anything from the road seeing up past that, okay? So it can come and go down through this clear cut now without being seen from the road right. because I think when I looked up there and saw that black thing, I, I swore that it looked at me as I went past because it wasn't there when I went back. I, I, I thought I saw it turn its head and look at me as I, like it knew that I was eyeballing it. It was it was weird anyway. But like I said, I can't be sure of that sighting. So it's done that. It's created a hunting blind, and it's also stopped anyone from walking up through there. You have to go around this thing now if you want to walk through it. Now, whoever lives on the property never ever uses that thing. There's ne- there's no tire marks or anything through there. Nothing. Hasn't been used in years. I watched this thing being built over the course of a few weeks, but at the end, it, it, was, it happened really quickly. And I went, "That is really, really smart. That's that's an incredibly intel. That's human intelligence. You know that that sort of willful construction of something to." To aid in you know, to you know to serve a purpose, and it's a, a multi-purpose thing. Okay, so what was the exact oh, okay. location? And I'll search it. Okay, okay. Find Wollambula Lake in Kalbara Beach. Can you see that? Yeah, W O L U M. Wollambula Lake. It's um it's right on the coast. It's and you, and you'll see it's uh, Kalbara Beach is just above it to yep. the north. Yep, yep, got it. Oh, okay, got it? right, yeah, yeah. That's a... Okay, now you see that one road that goes in? Yes, yeah. Right? Okay, so if you come out of town, there's a bend to the left, right? Mm-hmm. Yep. Bend to the left. Yep. Now, at the very bottom of that bend, the first part of it, yep. you'll see a, a clear cut. It's very, quite faint because it's… Oh, uh, uh, yeah, it's... I can see it. Yeah, yeah, I can see can it. Can you see that? Can you see now? If you go… If you go right down to the beginning of that, that's Culborough Road. Can you see the really clear driveway at the bottom of the, yes. the road, almost where it meets Kunamaya? You see that clear driveway? Yeah. Yep. Right, okay, so that's the driveway to the farm. And when you pull out, you'll see a, a, um, a really sort of open paddock there and there's a little house in there. That's, that's the property right on the edge of the lake there. So they've got the one clear driveway that comes in. Then a little bit further up, there's another clear cut, which is uh, which goes between 
Kunamaya Road and Colborough Road, uh-huh. and there's yep. the other, and then there's the other clear cut further up, yep. a straight one. You see the little straight one? Yep. That's it. It's just there. Right. And and where it's built it is probably on, on your map quite a couple of inches, so about 100, 100 metres or 200, 150 metres or so okay. from the road, and it's in there. That's where, that's exactly where it is. Cool. I would have loved a, a time lapse. Oh, wouldn't that be great? Something something has purposely built it, and it wasn't a person. I can tell you it wasn't a person. No one goes in there, and it was just too – the branches are too big. Did you get a a picture? Yeah, yeah, I've got pictures. I'll I'll shoot you you a couple. I sent you some pictures this morning on email as well. Yeah, I got got them. They were great. Yeah. There's a footprint that's distinctly a footprint. Oh, it is, yeah. I just heard back from Dean. Actually, I sent them to Dean, and he said, yeah. Yeah. So for sure. Yeah, he, he said, yeah, for sure. Okay, so you're still on Google Earth. Zoom out and have a look at all the bush. Find Kalala Beach. That's where I live, right? So it's on the bay. You see Kalala Bay and Kalala Beach? Yep. Bay. Okay, now if you, go, if you go sort of up the bush and a bit to your left, in the bush you'll see a little white clear like dot. Like a clearing, the, yes. Yep. Yeah, and next to it there's a lake. Yes, got it. Well, that's an old sandstone quarry. Okay. Ah, okay. Called Compton Grange Sandstone Quarry, and that lake there is a man-made lake. You can see the how it's been formed along one edge is really clear edge. It's beautiful waterhole, yeah. really beautiful turquoise water. They use that for the helicopter buckets when the when the fires. Ah, uh, yeah. So they, now that was the water reservoir for the quarry because of the um you know the stone saws use water, uh-huh. the water cooled stone saws. So there's an old pump shed at the at the lake's edge on the on the side of the lake, and there's a pump shed up in the quarry. Um, now, in that quarry is where I got that footprint. In ah, fact, uh, right. Okay. Yep. I've, had, I've had quite a bit of action in there. You can see the road that leads into it that goes up to Forest Road. Yep. Well, this is not far from where that lady you interviewed saw her yowie. Yeah, it's off Forest Road. That's right. Um, yeah, so that that quarry now has got a dead car in it, so it's a fairly old photo. If you zoom down in that quarry, you'll see the bottom part left side of it is the deep cut, mm-hmm. and then there's the top, the top part of it, ah, or yeah. the right-hand side of it. That's you know the, the sawing and cutting and that used to be carried on, uh-huh. and there's two little trees in that dry section at the top, and on the, the left hand the left hand tree is there's a depression there, and that was filled up with water, and that's where I saw got that, those three prints from. All right. Um, now, so do you want to yeah. describe that describe that print for the listeners? It's it was the first thing I saw was the the slip mark. Where it's you see, it's got the heel. It's it's very very small. It would be the size of a three or four year old kid. So about the length, maybe from the from the heel of your palm to the tip of your fingers, I'd say. Okay. About, about the length of my hand, maybe a bit smaller. Um, very sort of narrow heel, but not not hugely narrow in in contrast to the footprint like it was you know relevant to the size of the footprint but quite small um i can't really see more than four toes i think there's three in the one the clear picture of the whole track in the water there's three there's definitely three toes there's no claws. The one where it slipped, the close-up photo I sent you where it's slipping coming out of the water, yep. if that was a dog track, which I thought it was at first, that's what drew my attention to it. There's a lot of wild dogs in that bush up there, right? There's, right. there's, a, there's a lot. Yeah, I've, I've come across them several times. Uh, seven I've counted in one, in one hit up there. Um, right, wow, so, that's a lot in yeah, one, like one yeah, pack. The, yeah, 
that's that's a that's a pretty decent pack, yeah. And um, they probably um you'd have to watch out for that too that, that they might find yeah, you the, on their next lunch menu. I, I um the first time I went up there to this quarry, I parked at Forest Road there because there is a there's a gate you can't drive down there anymore. That is first time I parked up parked my car there and walked down. I was only about a hundred meters from my car when three feral dogs came around the corner. I beat a hasty retreat back to my car because they pegged me as soon as I saw them. Uh, they pegged me straight away and went into running mode. And I oh, right. bolted, <laughs> bolted back to my car. <laughs> I don't blame um, you. I, I screwed a really long knife to the end of a, um, uh, like a broomstick. Yeah. And then um, and then went back and finished my walk. So <laughs> I, <laughs> That's very clever. You, you yeah. a homemade bayonet. <laughs> um, a, a mate of mine call it a back off your bastard. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so I call it Bob. It's called. I've since turned it into a, a much better pole weapon. Now it's actually a. I've got a. I can wear the blade on my back, and it's got a handle like a um, machete. But then I can t- and and using the, the pole as a walking stick, so I can use it as a machete, and or I can put it on the end of the pole, and I've got a, a split pin that goes through it, so I can use it as a as a pole weapon as well, oh, like perfect. a halberd. <laughs> um, which is just what – yeah, oh, look, I'm not going to – yeah. One dog I could probably handle with a knife, but two or three, nah, yeah, no. Well, I mean, yeah, they only have to tear your tendon or, you know, get a get a um a, a major artery in your staff down yeah. there. Three of those, and they're lean, mean bastards too. Anyway, so I was down there. I thought it was a dog track when I first saw that track, but then I looked and there's no claws at all. Um you know, dogs don't have retractable claws like a cat, obviously. So yeah. there was no claws. And then I spotted the really clear print in the water and I was over the moon. I was like, <laughs> I've, I've never I've never seen – I'm going out on a limb and I'm saying oh, it's a Junjati track. That's what I think. I don't think it was a baby uh, Yowie. There is Yowies there. I've recorded them there before. Uh, sound recorded them. I always get a lot of – really a lot of knocks and bangs and howls and stuff in that in that area right there. If they use that waterhole, of course, it's permanent. It's really deep, and they hunt all around there. If that was a baby yowie track, there would have definitely been a uh, an adult track somewhere. And I and I scouted the ground for an hour all over that ground, and it was wet. It had been raining, so it was perfect for tracks. That's why I always wait till there's a break in the rain and go looking for tracks because you know it's the best time to find them. Not just not just you know yowie tracks, all sorts of tracks, dogs and feral cats and you know cool things just to keep my tracking eyes in. And so I so there was no large track with it. I don't think it was a, a, a baby yowie. I think the three toes. I've I've done a little bit of research in Junjadi stuff. They three toes is mentioned a lot in in Junjadi um, folklore and, and any any writings about it. You can anyone can look it up. Yeah, right. There's some some say five. Uh, some say three, so maybe they grow an extra toe when they get bigger. <laughs> <I don't, you laughs> know. Who knows? Well, maybe there's maybe some of some of somehow mm. mutated to do, to have three toes. A lot of Aboriginal folklore says three toes. A lot of a lot of beings in Aboriginal folklore have three toes. Right, it's really interesting. Well, so, how exciting! That's that's a, that's a great find. It, it is. Hey, it really it really is. Um and. And I, I, like I've, I've, I've made copies of that photo so that I don't accidentally lose it, which sometimes I do when I'm shifting stuff around. I lose stuff. You know, a computer just swallows stuff up and you, uh-huh. ne- you never know where it is. Yeah, it's yes. gone forever. Um, <laughs> well, now I have a copy so I can save it too. So <laughs> yeah. just, just in case you lose all your, yeah. your stuff. <laughs> 
I've got a yeah. Well, they're supposed to be they're supposed to be around here. I did show um a guy who's a Koori guy. I don't know whether he's Druinja, but he's a Koori guy. He's got some land up in the bush, little shack up there, and that. And I showed him, and he's straight. He just looked at it straight away. He just looked at me and went, "Little fella." Uh huh. Exactly right. <laughs> <laughs> I went. You're he goes, "Oh yeah, yeah." He goes, "That's little fella for sure." Yeah, yeah. I've seen them. I've seen them. No worries, mate. Cool. Like, like, didn't even. I didn't say anything. I just said, "What do you reckon that is?" And just showed him. It's just straight away, little fella, little fella track. He called it brown jack. He said brown jack. Brown he didn't jack, say. Yeah. yeah, he said brown jack. Did he I say anything else beauty. about about brown jacks? No, no, just that. Yep, yeah, yeah, that's <laughs> all. He didn't. Really, he didn't. Didn't really want to go into it. Just, I, I don't know why. I actually have sent. Um, a missive to the local land council, the Dringer Land Council, asking if I can, uh, if they'll put me in touch with any elders or anyone that's willing to talk to me about Doolagal down here, because um, I'd like to, I'd really like to put together some, um, just for my own research sake and for the sake of information, you know, see if anyone will talk to me about them. There's a long history down here, a long history, and uh, especially with uh, Kalangati Mountain and places like that around here. And the Clyde River down at Batemans Bay, there's there's been a ton of ton of sightings at Batemans Bay. Yeah, that's right. You just have to look up Dean's DIYR site, and yeah. there's you can see there's quite a lot. So uh, that other photo I sent you of those, one of them it didn't come out very well. It's a series of broken trees. They're all broken off exactly the same height. Uh, I could only get three in the photo. The first one is in focus, and then there's they're mm-hmm. progressively out of focus as they get further away from the shot. But there was seven. And they were all broken at exactly the same height. And this thing just, they, they don't care. I think if if, the, if my mates, the hairy guys around here that know me, then they know that there's not a lot of people out there that are bothering looking for them. So they do really bold, obvious stuff because they just, you know, they, I swear I'm the only person around there. I never see anyone else out there, out in the bush doing stuff, apart from trail bike riders and that, you know. But, yeah. So they do really obvious stuff, and when I come across it, I go, "Oh wow, that's that is just so obvious." The, these breaks, the, like, those trees are, you know, almost wrist width. Then no one could do that. No, no. even with two even with two hands, I couldn't break them. Like no way, no way in the world. You'd have to be partially cut through to break them. And these things just go on snap, 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 snap. <laughs> and all these trees are about seven foot tall. Every single one of exactly the that doesn't happen. In nature, you don't get that uniformity, you know. No. That's, it wasn't, it was, the wind just doesn't snap off trees at exactly seven foot and then no other tree. So it was really a really easy track for me to follow. That And then I came across a really clear bend. I'm pretty sure that bends indicate water now because they're, they either point towards it or um, are right near it. Okay. So I think that's what – I think that's – well, the bends in my area anyway – I'm pretty sure tree bends are indicating water. That's what I've found over the last, you know, while. Did but you, I can only speak for my guys. Did you end up con- uh, meeting up with uh, the eyewitness uh, from who had the sighting many years ago now, but in Kalala Bay? Did you? The lady. Up, yeah. The, um, um. Did you end I up meeting her? her? No, she lives. Uh, she doesn't live down here anymore. She's miles away now. Ah. Um. Okay. Yeah. She's she's up in um. Up uh, the central coast now. That's up to where my dad lives, up around Gosford Way. So, no, but I spoke to her at length on the phone. She was a, a really um, lovely person. 
And she told me, now the Forest Road where she had her sighting just off Forest Road, I've pretty much pinpointed that now. She told me that it was dirt. It's only been blacktop for not actually very long. But it was dirt when she went down there. She turned off from the highway onto Forest Road coming towards Kalala and, and Kalbara and that. Then they crossed over. So, yeah, I reckon I found where that is. She had a great sighting. It was a full full body sighting. And the thing I thought was kind of cool was that she said it was sandstone coloured. Yeah, And I think unusual. that I thought that was, yeah, really, really unusual. And, well, there's so much sandstone down in there as well that uh, those creatures must have been there for generations to have actually taken on the colour of, of their environment like that. Yeah. You know, that's just amazing. That's not an aberration of birth or anything. That's that's taken millennia to, mm. for a creature to, you know, to, to take on that colour like that. I think that's brilliant, especially since the, my first sighting down here was at the sandstone quarry. So it was pretty cool. Yeah, that is very cool. I'm, I'm out there all the time. That's why I, I see so much stuff. It's, you know, you look at that area where that, where that quarry is, right? And that, that, all that bush there from there to, to, Cal, to Kalbara and then up, um, Beecroft Peninsula and that is about seven and a half thousand hectares. I've got a lot of room to run around and muck around in. Yeah. That's, <laughs> yeah, that's a big back garden. <laughs> you know, it's a, yeah, it is. It is. And it's all bush too. You know, it's like, it's, it's all bushy. So I'm always finding new places to, to look at stuff and, you know, I'm actually on the hunt for some echidnas at the moment. So, right. yeah. Offer the wildlife photography stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, I see their sign a lot, a lot of anticles that have been um, eaten and ripped apart and yep. stuff yep. On, on the side. So I know, I know they're around, but I just I want to get some really definitive photos of echidnas. Are they yeah. the only I, creatures that dig up ant nests? Um, echidnas. I'm, I was just trying to think because I, I see I notice those signs around here too. Quite uh, a lot. Well, apart from apart from apart from primates, which do. So there's that's uh, a thought. No, I don't. I don't think goannas do. I don't know. The goanna, I know goannas, you know, with their claws and that can easily rip apart a termite nest. Yeah. But I don't know whether I don't know whether they do. We've got plenty of them big parentes and, and goannas around here. But, oh um, wow, that'd be cool. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Oh, mate, there's massive some of those bloody lizards, eh? Yeah, they're Jeez, incredible they're creatures. No, I was just going to say I'll send you anything I, I um, anything interesting I get that's um, definitive, you know. That'd be awesome. I won't waste the time. Oh, no, yeah. that's cool. And I'd love when I play this on the show, if it's all right, can I post that photo so the listeners can see it or would you rather not? Yeah, yeah, no, sure, yeah. yes. It's, oh, it's a great photo. I'd, I'd love love to share it. Like I said, if, if, I, if I find something that's kind of – Iffy, I don't bother wasting your time or anyone's time with with stuff that I that you know it's got to be quite definite. Yeah. And I think that's that's a definite print. And like I said, Dean has gotten back to me and he he sees a print. So you know that he's the, he's he's the go to guy for all this stuff. And and I I trust his judgment above anyone. So yeah, if he said yeah, then I'm I'm really happy with that. Yeah, that's exciting. Well done. Well done. Yeah, I know. Well. The only thing that can top that is actually seeing one. <laughs> Another one. Although they reckon, they reckon Junjity are really nasty little buggers. They'll, they'll I, give you a hard time. I have heard that, yeah. Yeah, yeah I've heard that too. So. I've, heard that, I've heard that they're meaner than nastier than the, yeah. the big fellas. So I know. I know, but to, I, I, having said that, if I was going to get attacked by one or the other, I'd rather the little guy. <laughs> <I reckon laughs> yes. 
I could probably stand a chance with him, you know. <laughs> Maybe. Yeah. Um, all right, mate. All well, right, yeah, mate. Thank you for talking. And um, thanks so much. Yeah, and thank you so much for coming back and, and chatting on Yowie Central. I love having you on. It's great. Very interesting. No worries. Lots of things to say. As for the listeners, Bredo is yeah. a wildlife tracker and uh, wildlife photographer. So your ex- his expertise, your expertise, Bredo, is uh, yes. really appreciated on Yowie Central. Thank you. No worries at all. Love it. And that was Bredo, wildlife photographer and Yowie tracker. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction and free shipping. And that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. Next up, a fascinating and terrifying interview I did for Australian Yowie Research. The poor eyewitness. This has to be one of the scariest encounters I've heard. Check it out. So basically it was uh, 2008, uh, January at about 2am in the morning. I was situated at the Nambucca Caravan Park. I'd had a rough night that night and decided that the people that I was with at the time, I would leave. It was probably a bad decision. It was really early twilight, you know, one-ish in the morning that I decided, one thirty ish that I decided to leave out of Nambucca. And when I left, I looked at my um, fuel gauge and realised that I was on quite low. I had about a quarter of a tank to get me from Nambucca over to Coffs Harbour. And knowing that they'd have an all-night stop out there, because obviously everything was closed in Nambucca for fuel at that hour. So I headed out still with uh, intention that I'd be able to make it, started out and got out onto the highway and headed towards the Blongal Blongal Forest, which is outside of uh, Nambucca there. As I was driving, I had my dog with me, which was a like a 10-year-old Maltese, who was partially blind and extremely sensitive to anything because of her, everything was heightened with her sensitivities because she was partially blind. And uh, she started squirming and carrying on in the passenger seat because she's sitting on the opposite side of me there and making quite a noise. I had the window partially down for her as well so she could breathe in the oxygen along the way. And she went from that seat down to the bottom of the floor of the vehicle and started cowling and carrying on quite a bit under the um, dashboard of the vehicle. 
And I was like, what's going on with the dog? You know, oh, it's just so out of text with the dog and stuff. And suddenly I smelt this pungent smell. So it was so pneumonic and so pungent that it was burning my nose. And I was like, what is this roadkill? Of course, the first thing that comes to mind. But heck of a roadkill. It was like something like a cow or a horse that could even stink like this, you know? So not even thinking anything of it, continued driving. And at this time, I looked at my speedo. I was traveling about 95K on that highway. And it was the new part of the highway that I was entering into. So they just made a four-lane connection there. And it was kind of breaking out the road. So it was on its own for a little while in the two-lane road. And you see the opposite side um, of the northbound side, but there was an island through the middle of grass and sort of like a ditch that went down through it. But it was quite an open space. And off to the left, there'd been quite a clearing of all the pine trees since they'd put the highway through. So you could see through the pine trees as you were travelling along at a speed. You know how you can see that cartoon effect where you can see whatever's running, whatever's in that, you would see it, right? It would be quite clear. You know, there was a shadow at the very back of the forest line as I was travelling along, and I kept catching it in my peripheral vision and was concerned about the dog and stuff and looking around me, so I was a bit heightened my senses and realised that there was definitely something in the distance. So I uh, kept sort of putting that off, ah, it's nothing, you know, da-da-da, it's probably just animals, whatever, but what's that big? Started to notice it more and more. It seemed to be coming closer. And what I had noticed was that the highway was then cutting in from the forest and the forestry line was finishing, right? So that forestry line that I was looking at to my left was no longer as thick and it was thinning out and there was something like 10 trees then instead of maybe 40 trees back. So whatever it was that was behind that tree line was as coming in closer and I was getting more of a view of whatever this thing was and it was something that was on small legs that was running. I thought, a horse, a cow, but what could it, what on earth could it be, you know? It could be keeping up with my vehicle. Anyway, uh, the roads closed in. We got down to about two tree lines on the left-hand side, and I was thinking, oh, whatever this is, it's going to be coming in and it's going to cross across because it's following the end of the tree line with my vehicle. And that tree line would finish, and then the highway would begin and there's no more tree lines. So wherever it was coming, if it was coming towards me, it was going to have to cross the highway. So I was like, oh, no, whatever that is, it's coming right towards me now. We're going to intersect for sure. So uh, before I knew it, it was on the left-hand side of my vehicle, whatever this thing was. I managed to cop a bit of a view of it through my, uh, you know, rear vision mirror on the left side, you know, the left side mirror. I was driving a four-wheel drive RAV at the time. Um, so she was a pretty sturdy vehicle. It had crept up the side of the vehicle and was on the dirt side of the road with my vehicle, whatever this thing was. So it looked like a giant red setter would be the best way of me. I didn't see any face or anything at the time because it, it had its head down and it was running on four legs. So the closest description at that point would have been an ape, you know, like a silverback gorilla size. It was just huge, but very slender and skinny and long, flowing red hair. And I was like, oh, my God, it's, um, you know, some sort of creature. I don't know. I don't want to look. I'm getting pretty scared at this point. 
Um, it follows me along the road for quite a period of time. I start speeding up. I've looked at my speedo on nearly 100 clicks by this stage. It's still beside me. My dog's absolutely going burp under the seat. So I'm thinking, okay, I'm going to veer over to the right lane to get away from this thing, right? There's no one around me. There's not one car on the road. There's nothing. It's a complete dead highway. This thing is on the left of me. It then picks its speed up and comes across the front of my vehicle while it's still travelling at this speed, but it's going actually faster than my vehicle and runs directly in front of my moving vehicle, right? And at the stage of it running on the four legs, it transitions from four legs to two legs. And so then it's bipedal, right? And it comes up and the size of this thing absolutely threw me and I nearly rolled my vehicle when I saw this thing stand up and it was like easy eight foot, easy eight foot. Wasn't looking like it wanted to attack me, wasn't looking like it wanted to hurt me, but it was like it was having a game with my vehicle, which was the strangest part about it. And it stood up and turned its head and looked directly at me and then basically just jumped across the highway, ran onto the opposite northbound side of the two-lane highway and just disappeared into the forest. <laughs> terrifying. <laughs> that would have been absolutely looking... terrifying. You know how you lean over your steering wheel and look up? Well, yeah. that's what I did. I leaned over the steering wheel and looked up and could not believe what I was seeing. It was like, this thing is a giant. It looked like it was a male. It was very um, neanderthal so it had all the traits of being Neanderthal-like, um, ape-like, had hair all over its cheeks, basically growing on its face at full length. It wasn't short hair. We're talking full-length hair, like something out of Chewy out of Star Wars. The hair on the top of his head flowed to the bottom of the ground. It was that long. And the hair on his arms was that long. It was just magnificent being, really was. And it was so clean. And so brightly red and brown. If I was to classify its age, I would say maybe an adolescent or maybe a young male, but very, very athletic-like, very thin, quite clean, stinky as all hell, didn't make a noise, didn't make a growl. My dog was the only thing that was carrying on to the end degree in the vehicle. Um, it took a long time for that stink to come out of the car as well because as it crossed across me, it was just like I'd been intoxicated with the thing and I could smell that smell in my vehicle and we only had the windows down a tiny bit. Um, I remember locking my vehicle too while we were driving because I was terrified. I thought at this point all I needed to do was run out of fuel right at this point because I had been really sticking it to the car to try and get away from it. I thought, well, if I run out of fuel or if I roll the car, because when I changed lanes, I nearly rolled my vehicle in panic because I was looking at the creature, not looking at the side that I was changing lanes to. So I remember the vehicle sort of like, you know, sort of gisting to the side a little bit because of how powerfully I turned to the right and the dog falling and all the stuff in the seats falling as we sort of like quickly screeched over to the right side at that speed. But it kept up with me the whole way and it went faster than my vehicle. So I would have hit 105 at the end and it was going faster than 105. It was just incredible speed. Incredible. 
and it seemed to gain more speed on two legs than four. When it turns to look at you, you're driving and it turns to look at you, did it have an expression on its face? No, it was a blank face. Just looked directly at me and I looked directly at it and it had very red eyes. So it had red eyes. Were they beaming out or glowing? Well, they weren't like laser beams, but uh-huh. they were like as if you shone a torch in a, in a cat's eye, you know, that kind of effect, or yeah. someone's eyes and they would go take a photograph of someone's eyes and they go red. That kind of redness that I was seeing, it wasn't like a glowing alien or anything like that, yeah, okay. but it was, the eyes were definitely, the pupil was red when I looked at it. Were there any whites of the eyes or was it just the whole thing you could see was all red? Just very red. Very red and very sort of like a pale, sort of jaundice yellow white in the eyes. I didn't see its chest moving for breathing, like it was panting. It didn't even look like it was just cracking a sweat. This thing <laughs> just ran and I was just like, oh my God, what is it? It was so athletic. The leap that it made across the centre highway would have been two car lengths. It was like it just took it like it was nothing. Just boing, straight across it. And I was just like, oh, my God. When you first spotted it, it's running on all fours. How tall do you reckon it was? So you thought it was maybe a cow? Well, I could or... see it. I could see the top of it, its back and its head from the side of the car. Just from about halfway from his back up to his head crotch down, I could see him beside the vehicle. And I knew he was on four legs at that point, but I obviously couldn't get over to that side to look directly at him, but I could see in my rear vision mirror what I was looking at. Describe the running motion on on all fours. He was on four when he first greeted me in the vehicle, running on four, like, you know, like like an ape would run on on four legs. And was the back slightly on an incline or was it completely flat? Yes. No, slightly on an incline meaning the arms are probably longer than the legs. His arms were most definitely longer than our arms would be. His lower forearms were nearly double the length of my arms. He was so long. When we stand up, our arms might be lucky if they go to nearly the top of the bottom of our uh, kneecap, but his arms looked like they went down past the kneecaps. They were just giant. And he wasn't, like, stocky, but he was just, massively tall and slender and he was you could tell he had buff about him just gave me the feeling that it was a male didn't have female genitalia didn't have a breast and mm-hmm. didn't didn't have that look to it that it was a female you couldn't see whether it was what sex particularly it was but I would have guessed it to be a male because it just didn't look female at all you would have seen the mammary glands on its chest and stuff and I saw its chest and it was flat chested The bottom of his hand didn't have hair on it. So the hair went almost down to the tops of his um, digits, grew on his fingers, everything. And how long do you reckon the hair was? I know you said it was really long and flowing, but... It was ridiculous. It was flowing like a a prancing horsetail. It was just so long. It was just flowing. And I just remember being in awe of his hair. It was just flowing. Because of the speed he was doing, it was just all flowing behind him. So there was a moon that night that you could see? Yeah, it was quite light, definitely quite light, yep. Because I wouldn't have seen those shadows through the forest if it wasn't quite a, a light night. I, I should look the, um, the moon up for the night of the 1st of 2008, January, and it'll give me a bit of an idea where the moon was sitting. But I definitely had a good vision of him even at one in the morning. 
and my lights were all on and, you know, my, I had my beamers on, everything. What was the mouth doing when you looked at it? Was it open or closed? No. You could see that he had teeth. Just really saw like the first four teeth, the top upper part of his teeth, very big lips, really big lips, and just really dark, dark-skinned, dark-skinned, dirty, dark-skinned sort of look. Did you catch the shape of the teeth or the colour? Not really. I just knew that he had teeth. Yeah. And I didn't see any fangs or anything like that. He didn't growl. He didn't look like he wanted to attack. He, I mean, if he wanted to, he could have jumped my car. He was right next to me while he was travelling. He could have held on to that vehicle, could have jumped on top of me, could have pushed my vehicle. He could have done anything he wanted to. And all he wanted to do was just show off, really. That's, it really that's was. possibly it was why like it reminded game. you of a teenage you yeah, know, young man. Yeah, that's why it reminded me that it wasn't a, um, you know, something like a hunting male. I was that damn terrified. And I pulled into the Coffs Harbour um, petrol station straight afterwards and I remember sitting at the petrol station for over three quarters of an hour trying to um, console myself over what I'd seen. And I told the guy at the service station what I'd witnessed and he said, oh, he gets at least one of those witnesses once a week at least come through and say something about that forest. He said he gets it all the time wow. through Coffs Harbour down through Nambucca. He reckons it's a hot spot big time for these creatures that are in there. They come down from maybe the ridge and they feed down in the lower parts at night and then they must go back up to the ridge lines again early morning. It'd be interesting to talk to someone who regularly gets people coming in like you who, who've had a frightening experience. He'd probably have mm. quite a few good stories to tell. Oh, uh, and the speed was the thing that just absolutely uh, knocked me over because I've read so many stories and stuff about them and never have I heard of one that, that was as fast as this. Never. In the distance, when it was coming through the forest, it was snapping trees like they were toothpicks. And the trees that they were snapping were as big as an advanced bangalow palm. You could see them and hear them. Oh, I could see the trees coming down. It was cracking trees over left, right and centre to get out to the roadside. And there's power, like it was just mowing trees over. I was like, oh my God. So how long did it run alongside your car for? Yeah, well, this is another question I put to myself. Um, possibly about three minutes I was with it. That would have seemed like three centuries, I, I guess. Yep, because I just remember trying to pick speed up and get away from it and drive in front of it and I couldn't get my vehicle past it. And I was like, if I keep pushing this, I'm going to blow the motor. Oh, and running out of petrol too was the, was the worst part. Like, I don't want to be stuck here with it. Yeah, it was just bizarre. The acceleration and the power made me think that possibly it came from two worlds, meaning possibly, you know, something that just wasn't known to us, something of a higher strangeness. Because I can only maybe... Imagine a cheetah running at about at its fastest speed and it's going to take it a couple of seconds to reach that speed of about 80 kilometres. But never would I have heard an ape or, you know, a monkey or anything like that being able to run at speeds like that. Yeah, and in bare feet too. So you could see the feet? It had no shoes, had no clothing whatsoever. Just massive, massive all round. Big, big arms, big hands, everything. Big head. He was a really big, tall creature, a stately creature, really, you know. What shape was the head? 
I would say it was very long, the head, very high sort of cheekbones and had like a very flat nose. So the nose would have had very broad um, nostrils and very dark skin around those sections and then hair that sort of grew around the face and you didn't see ears, nothing. Everything was under hairline. Was it a round head? It was long and round with a very long front face to him. Thick neck, the neck didn't seem to be defined like us as humans. His neck sort of seemed to sit within his shoulders. How wide were those shoulders, do you think? He was more athletically built. Um, He wasn't like some of the ones that people have drawn, but still very big, you know. I didn't see like great big biceps and things like that. No, I would have seen more of an athletic structure to him. That's what made me think that he was young. And you didn't hear any noise at all? No noise, gave no noise out, no growl, no grumble, no, you know, how they do all these terrible groans, you hear them and... I mean, I was really just staring at its face and just the massity of the, you know, and the smell, you know. It was just like I, was, I had my hand over my face. It was that intense. I think you said you noticed the smell before you saw the creature. Yep. How far away from you, from your car, was it? Six or seven tree lines back by that stage that I started to smell it. That's a fair distance. Oh, yeah, and worse and worse as it came closer like it had almost been peeing on itself. You know, that sort of smell of a bat kind of thing. Acidic, pneumonic, rotten flesh smell. Approximately how many metres away do you reckon it was? 15, 20 tree lines deep when I saw its shadow and then it just kept encroaching because the tree lines were finishing. So it went from about, you know, 50 tree lines deep then it started then closing into about 30 tree lines and then it had come into about 20 and then it came into our 10, and then it came down to 5, and then it just finished. And the creature just appeared out of there, and it was just like, I knew it was in there. And then when it just showed itself, I was like, this is ridiculous. And then I tried to actually pull back, and it pulled back with me. Like, it was waving with me. And I was like, no! Because I thought, well, I can't stop the car. So I pulled the car back. Don't keep travelling along and encouraging it. Pull back a bit. No, then it pulls back with me. So it was like the more I sped up, the more it sped up. And I was like, oh, God. And then it stood up on two legs. Yeah, then went up on two. I thought it was going to get on the vehicle. That's what I thought. I thought it was going to get on that vehicle and it was going to shake my car and peel it open like it was a can opener. But he didn't, you know, he just didn't. He just came in front, showed himself, stood up and, and, and did this giant leap in a running form off the side of the road to the other side, over the island, and just disappeared into the forest. And you didn't see it after that? No, that was it. It was gone. I was, I was hooking it out of there. Mm-hmm. And then I pulled up out of the forestry line up a little bit further to sort of, to, uh, you know, say my prayers and thank the Lord I was still alive. But I remember getting home and just absolutely collapsing and waking up the next day and going, well, that wasn't a dream because I still remember it as clear as day. To me, this changes how science predicts how we were created. These creatures are still walking our planet and obviously they have been here since Gondwana. They have just been pushed further and further into the bushland and into the forest because obviously they don't mix with us. 
Another friend of mine had an encounter. Um, he lived in Coffs Harbour. His dog chased the Yowie and the Yowie picked the dog up and swung it round and tore its tail off. Was the dog still yep. alive? And, no, the dog died. Oh. He found the dog in the tree. It had thrown the dog up into the tree and it was hanging over the tree and its tail was on the ground. It really affected him no end, you know, and he had a couple of different encounters. He lived on, you know, the Coffs Harbour banana field behind the banana plantation there, the big banana. Well, apparently there's said to be a really big creature that lives up there and the people that live on the property on the banana field there, the banana field plantation, have encountered this Yowie many times over because he comes down and he takes the fruit and they find the bags all broken open in the morning and he's just taken a big hand of bananas off the plantation and carried them home. So, And he had many stories, many, a story about an Aboriginal woman who had been taken, but um, that woman escaped and apparently that creature came back several times looking for her. Was it a historical encounter? So it was some time ago? Um, he told me it was like 15 years ago mm-hmm. and there were stories of, you know, children being taken, yeah. all sorts of things. I just cringe. Cringe at the thought. There's some very vicious, vicious stories out there. You've heard them. You'll Dean's find seen, seen his, his fair share of um, creatures. Yeah. The <laughs> he certainly has. He certainly has. He's got to be the creature man of all time, right? <laughs> That's right. That's right. He, and he had a terrifying well, – he's had a, a few, but – you know, to be actually hit and sh- and pushed by one running at you in the dark through the forest like a freight train totally. coming at you, he would have been terrified. It's just amazing, amazing. Mm. I mean, I bet you him of all people is the big believer. Yes, he is, totally. Yeah, he's yeah. seen them. So. Great story, that terrific story. Yeah. It, it gave me courage after I'd heard his story to come forward with mine. The more people we can give courage to to come forward, the better. And, yeah. I don't, and I don't believe you're crazy either. Pretty much everyone I've spoken to, and there's lots of people, have been genuinely traumatised and terrified. And I'm quite happy to live vicariously at the moment. And when they do find you, it's when you least expect it. That's the thing. And that's where you question yourself. And that's why you're so gobsmacked and you don't know what to do because you're just so caught by it. You're just so frozen in fear. Have you seen on our um, on the Australian Yowie Research website, we've got an interactive map now. Yes, I have. I have. You yes. can go to that area and listen yes. or read to all the, the encounters yes. and all the sightings that we've got in our database all around there. Yes, and isn't it full? And they're only the <laughs> ones that have been reported. They're not – lots of I people – there are a lot of people out there who haven't reported – their sightings. So Absolutely. I'm, we're, yeah. I, I encourage everybody to be brave and come out yeah. and share it with us and actually feels yep. good. A lot of the people I talk to find it a, quite a relief to, to be able to share it. Since that day, I've obviously uh, never camped again and I've never been back to that area again. <laughs> yeah, I will never camp again knowing that something like that is out there. And I've been an avid camper my whole life and knowing that that was there, that would, that would just... If he's got friends and family, we're in some serious trouble, I'm telling you. And that was Australian Yowie Research Witness Audio Report number 174, 
if you want to check out the excellent video put together by Dean Harrison and Buck Buckingham to go with that interview. If you've had a Yowie encounter and you want to share it with the Main FM community or at least talk to someone about it who won't think you're crazy, send me an email to yowiecentral at gmail.com or send me a message via the Yowie Central Facebook group. Well, that's all we've got time for, folks, this week. I'll catch you next week. Stay safe. Taking you out with the fabulous Parry Grip. Out in the cold, out in the dark, something's lurking at the edge of the park. People be warned, people beware, there's a storm on the rise and it's covered in hair. Hear him cry, hear him howl, looking for someone to disembowel. Claws like a hook, eyes like coal, feet so big they're gonna crush your soul. They call him Sasquatch. of your diamond ring your fancy jacket won't be worth a dime when you're sucking the blood right out of your spine Being a little extra can be a bit much, but when it comes to healthcare, it pays to be extra. And United Healthcare makes it easy with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they supplement your primary plan, helping you manage out-of-pocket costs without the usual requirements and restrictions like deductibles and enrollment periods. So when it comes to covering your medical bills, you can feel good about being a little extra. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowl and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowl and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at bowlandbranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. 
Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50% to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns.